0: Okay, so we, we we left off over here in the middle of uh, our I think around page fifty-two. Fifty-three? Mm-hmm. Page fifty-three. So again, the, the Kozari, the guy, the, the philosopher is talking in terms of the he says that the the greatest of all humans is the philosopher because he's the one that really gets attached to the Seychel the act of Seichel. And uh, in order to make this happen, he has to, you know, perfect all his behavior. So he continues to explain this idea on page 52, and what he says is that the person who's fully attached to the al apoyol, he's involved in this active intellect. So then, he basically it influences him to the point that he doesn't have any of his own, you know, his own interests. He's not. He's not, lim- he's not anymore limited to his human uh, form or his human attributes he sort of like becomes part of the godly attributes and therefore he's complete within his all his abilities and he's perfect and everything he does is only based on uh, you know this seichal apoyel, this active intellect etc allows to overcome animalistic impulse so that's true that's the idea we've spoke about in the past that the power of seichal is the fact that it gives us you know it allows us to be uh in control of our instinct it allows us to have impulse control. It allows us to overcome, you know, what our emotions would do naturally, or the way we would act naturally. Say allows for things to be put into a much more of a, you know, uh, it gives us it gives us uh, control and allows us for direction. So he says that this person, so such a person with all his abilities, so, so then. Uh, he basically is, is in a state of perfection. He says, versus the other people, he says on the other end, like the Cushites or whatever, who don't, you don't have this ability, so for them, it's on the contrary. For them, it's, uh, it's, uh, they, they have nothing more than just their primitive nature, a very passive intellect. Um, and therefore, uh, he therefore is left his own, you know, you know, he's manipulated by the physical world. And therefore he does, therefore doesn't Therefore, does have, you know, he's not living up onto to the highest realms or the most ideal realms of where he could be living. So we and spoke this, a little... Lo- does this idea fit with the um, in, in which regard? regard? That at a certain level people with higher level of intelligence are living a different life than people... So on chassidists, I mean, what, 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 it's an interesting question because if you're talking about in terms of intellect, the way we relate to intellect, I think is very... It's a question of, so to speak, what do you had the definition. Here the definition does play a role. Because if you're going to describe intellect as, in, you know, logical understanding and all that, then no. Then the Chassidus wouldn't say that. Well, chassidists does refer to Chabad, so to speak, the idea of Chochmah bin Adas, is referring to being in tune in a much deeper state of consciousness, or a deeper state of, of intelligence, which is more in the realm of chokhmah versus the realm of Bina. It's not logical analytics, so to speak, but more in that. So in that regard, yeah, the build-up is supposed to be, you go from the, the state of Nefesh to the Neshama, and in Neshama you're dealing with the world of Seichel. But even there, you're not in your perfect form yet. In order to get into that real higher level, the Tzaddik, for example, the Tzaddik is not limited to the world of the Neshama. He's connected to Chay yechid. I mean, we're all connected to Chay yechid, But he lives in the world of Chay, which is more... The intuitive realm, where they're very much, so to speak, God's God's existence is very much in tune with him, and he's very much caught up within that state of existence. So he, you know, it's sort of the way Chassidus will look at it. It's not so okay. The way, the way, the way, um, the way, sort of the philosophy. Okay, there is a connection between the two. In other words, we spoke about last time the concept of a Markova, right? That. The, the Medrush already speaks about and Chassidus talks about this concept of the Markovo. But there is the difference is like this Here the idea is is that you sort of sort of you so to speak lose your yourself Entirely and you're sort of like in a in being the vehicle for the active intelligence Versus in Chassidus, it's like a relationship where when you become fully aware of the other person and you're fully invested and fully committed you therefore become in tune with the other person on a much higher level you know it's like people who suffer or who struggle with being you know needing feeding to fit in so like you adapt yourself based on the environment you're in so let's say your environment where people are just you know wasting their time or you know being destructive so then you gravitate towards that because you want to you feel the need to fit in it's where validation kicks in and all that so you feel the need to fit in versus if the crowd you're amongst is more let's say intellectually Inclined, or people who are much more, you know, uh, on the straight and narrow. So then you'll gravitate towards that. So you don't have really, you're you're you don't have a mitzvah for yourself. Your mitzvah is all based on what everybody else, what you what you what you need to survive is getting everybody else's validation. But there is a point here which is similar, and that is that if you're so to speak aware of God's consciousness, let's say, right, you become much more aware of the godly energy. So then. You conform, not because you want to fit in, but because that is, so to speak, that's the norm now, right? It's like, for example, people living in Siberia, their norm is different than people living in New York. That's just because of their culture and their environment and things like that. So if you're living in the state of consciousness of, let's say, Atzillus or the level of Chaya, when you're in that state of consciousness, so then your norm is very different. So what Tzaddik's norm is different than my norm. He lives in a different state of consciousness. So in that regard, it's not so much about the active intelligence or, or even concept of, of, of Seichel. It's more the fact that because through the world of intuition you connect to a much deeper reality, so then that becomes your reality. If that becomes your reality, you, you act and react based on that reality. Like imagine we all will be living in the world of Hatzilas, right? You know, Einstein had this he used to imagine like traveling on a beam of light you know like that was his where he he, he, he went so imagine we could all live in the world of Atsilus if we were living in the world of Atsilos, this whole notion of focusing on the physical realms and being being you can't, exactly imagine that. You can't right but for argument's sake right now right so you would, you would, the whole idea of physicality would, wouldn't exist not just there would be physicality, but your gravitation, your the force, the gravitational force of of the physical reality wouldn't be there so much. You'll be completely disconnected from that plane. Now you still may have to eat, you still may have to sleep, you still may have needs as a physical human being, but that's not where you're going to be defining yourself. That's not where you're going to define or find yourself. It's 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 you're totally going to be in a different headspace, right? It's like when you're tripping. When you're tripping and you're going on a journey, you just disconnect from what everybody else is doing because you're in your own realm. So in that sense, is, is, is agrees with this point. You could you could transport yourself, but not transport as running away. You're just delving into a deeper state of consciousness, and in that state of consciousness, the rules are different. The the, the way you live on that and that plane is very different. But, but at there, the end of the day, that's why I, right, so that's why I, so this explains how at the end of the day the purpose is not to run away to Atzilus. In the highest level is not right, because even the highest levels is only Giluyim versus attaching yourself to God Himself is only to Tzara I Meaning whatever you're going to do is trying to get a different, a greater experience of godliness. It's sort of the idea I mentioned this idea before in a relationship. So when you start dating, let's say, so the beginning stages of the relationship is usually very exciting, right? There's like, I mean for teenagers who, you know, sort of like got excited because they they, they found a friend or a girlfriend, a boyfriend, whatever, like, you know, and and this is a very, like, you know, just feeling like excitement of, of being part of someone else's life or someone that you appreciate or whatever. So these things you get excited about. But in a relationship, obviously, when you're dating, it becomes much more real. It's a much more real thing. It's not a drug. It's, it's, it's a real, hopefully, it's a real experience of where you actually get excited about the person and there's things that speak to you about the person. So you act differently, you think differently, you're totally you know, in a different realm, especially once you're engaged. It's like you're living in a plane that you're totally not in control of anything and totally disconnected. That's all giluyim. So your experience, of reality is totally disconnected. Once you get married... And you've been married for a while, there's a massive, the reality is, is, is reality hits you. In other words, you're, 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 you're living a day to day life. You're living a day to day life with responsibilities, with connection, you know, very basic things. You're no more living in the honeymoon state. You're now in the re- real life state. And on that level, your connection to your spouse is not desankiluim. It's not being where you're being transported to some high state of consciousness where you're, so to speak, getting excited about the person. Your, your connection to that person is on, on an some level where it's very dry, it's very dead in some regard, meaning it's not dead as, as it's actually the ultimate in life, but it's dead in, in the, from the perspective of feeling excited. But in that place is where you're actually connecting to the person because where you both really live is in that physical reality. Where you really connect is on that plane. So yeah, that's the point. The chassidus, it always says, we shouldn't be trying to run off Tzatzilus, because where we really get God, the real relationship with God is here in this physical realm. But in terms of understanding and appreciating this idea, so yeah, the philosopher's idea is to try to get into the active intelligence. Chassidus totally rejects that idea. Meaning, what we need to know about God, when we learn chassidus, what we need to know about God is only in order to get us to a space where we could therefore be um, conscious of our deeper self, to be able to, no experience have a, a sense of truth that we can't get from the physical reality, right? But the, the, that's the, that's the Rosu stage. That's the stage where you're like running away, where you just ex- need to experience a locuse. But that's not the ultimate. The ultimate is the shuv. The ultimate is when you're actually in the physical realm, dealing with the physical reality, but having enough of that awareness of it and that experience that allows you to not be bogged down by the physical and not be captured by the physical. But you are working on it. You're in control of it. That's the ultimate objective there. So that's sort of the difference between here. The ultimate objective is the complete different state of consciousness. In Hasidus, that's not the objective. That may be a necessity. Because you can't really, what, 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 what do we all struggle with today? Why is, why is it difficult to be committed to religion, to Judaism? Is because how much of us do we actually experience the truth of it? Like this whole notion of being in a relationship with God, this whole idea of connecting to a divine source could be hard for us because we're living in a very physical conscious reality. So to transcend and to move into a higher state of consciousness could be very difficult. But Siddharth therefore says you have to learn about God. You have to learn about Godliness. You have to learn about these things because that's supposed to trigger our subconscious memory or our deeper superconscious memory where there we already experienced this when our soul was, you know, up there. What? going don't have this experience. uh, What? How come the tap? It wasn't the tap. Okay, so the argument that would be made is because we need the, the physical body, the whole uniqueness of the Jew is the fact that his physical body was chosen by God. And to create an equal choice, you have to have two things that look exactly the same. Right? The Bechira only happens when you have two things that are exactly the same, where there's not one thing that stands better than the other. Yeah. So the tap is only, so to speak, part of what the human features are. But oh, for a Jew, it could, more, right, yeah. it could be different for a Jew and a non-Jew. Mm-hmm. It's a hard thing to talk about because it's sort of like, you know... Oh yeah, prove it. You know, type of thing. But that that that's that's the idea. But but the point is, is that it's difficult to be connected to something where you don't have. So therefore, part of the concept of of knowing about God. Why do you spend hours? Or some of us spend hours learning Hasidus to understand elokust, to understand Godliness. What's the point in that? For some people, it's a waste of time. In Hasidus, it's it's trying to jog, so to speak, your subconscious memory. It's trying to get you, you know, to re-experience. Maybe use the other door. You're trying to tap into a experience that you had, you know, so to speak, in, not in time, but in in level, right? Where your neshama was still back in Tachas uh, and that 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 consciousness flows within you. So now you have you're uh, you're aware of that experience, and that's supposed to be the motivator, what makes you feel and makes you connect to be able to do tzeiremitzus in this world. So. That's part of why Lenox said this, it's part of the idea, because otherwise you talk disconnected. You know, you don't, Right, there's no revelation of Alakos. But in the world of the philosopher, no, the ultimate objective is the running away, right? And that's why they see the physical world, that's the famous story about whether it was Aristotle or, or Socrates, whoever it was, that his students found him, you know, doing some sort of like, you know, whether he was sodomizing an animal or doing some type of, you know, beast, beastful uh, act. And they asked him, you know, you're the great teacher, how could it be, or whatever. And he said, you know, there's my mind and there's my body. In other words, like that, he says, the, in, from, the, from the, the, the problem with the philosopher is that philosophy creates a very big disconnect between the mind and the body. So they see that there is, so to speak, the ideal, and the ideal is this, you know, trip out, or so to speak, escape to the ideal, but that doesn't necessarily conform to the real. You have that disconnect completely, you know. Or like the, the idea of, let's say, even on, on, on some people, you know, like let's say, um, some people on, the, on themselves, like I find in myself, I could have a disconnect between my mind and my body. Where like, okay, that's to another extreme, but like even if, let's say, I wouldn't eat for, 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 for a very long time, and I wouldn't, like I would just, what one maybe I call depriving my body, for me, I'm living in, in my mind. If I'm living in my mind, I don't need to focus on my body. But that doesn't mean I actually incorporated my body. I didn't transform my body there. It's just that I'm running away in my mind, you know? Um, I actually once spoke to a, a, a doctor about my lack of sleeping. And um, so she wanted to know, like, so what do I do? What's my routine to go to sleep? So I said, you know, I usually don't go to bed till like one or, or whatever. And then I start reading some heavy material. And then I start, so then after I do that for a bit, so that's like my escape reading, and then I listen to something to fall asleep. So she pointed out, she said, you know, do you realize that what you're doing is that you just, you're just living in your head more, and you're not allowing your body to sort of like, your, your mind-body connection happen. And um, there was other things also at the time that made that point very clear to me. Didn't it make it easier to fall asleep like that, though? Why? No, because my brain wasn't shutting off. My body was exhausted, but my mind was fully stimulated. So I couldn't fall asleep. Like be what? Like be Perhaps, right. But but I'm saying is that you could we could we could live in this world of the mind and not have it impact at all the body. That means we could be totally disconnected and it looks great, right? You could have a person that's you know, it's like to take it on a totally different level, but let's say even for example, certain people, you know, that do such real criminal acts or you know, really disgusting behavior, and then, and but yet yeah, they're, they're they're preaching these high ideals, right? They're the rabbis, or they're the priests, or they're this, you know. And it's like, how do you how do you how do you do that? How do you have that? And the answer is very simple. It's all philosoph- it's all philosophical. That I means it's all in the mind. It's all something that is you're running away within an intellectual understanding of something where you're living in the ideal, which never actually changed you, never actually affected your real, never brought you down into your physical reality. And that's that's the problem with philosophy. And that's but that is what he's saying here. He's saying is, is that this is the ultimate objective is to run away. And in that space, you sort of completely, yeah, in that space you don't you don't feel your physical needs because you're not connected to your physical reality. But but then like in that story with whoever it was, Aristotle or whatever, you know, when the physical needs calls, then 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 you're back to square one. You didn't same change. Thing with the you dive in for whatever to disconnect and then you come back. That's you're the back mistake. That's why Chassidus explains that that's that's like the that's theory, what Al Alter deals with in it's Tanya. Still, it's still a good it's not a so that, but that the Hsides deals with that question in Tanya in chapter. Not a waste of it's right, like it's but a but it's in, it, in other words, you, that's to deal with another issue. That's the question whether or not you actually experience something for real. Meaning, maybe you just tripped out and it was all fake. Meaning, how do you know that that's real? That's one question the al deals with. But then there's another question, which is. So there's two me's. There's the person who was davening and tripping out and davening, and then there's the person after davening. And then the problem is: so then what's the point in all of that? And the al answers that by saying is that although the experience of davening doesn't um, continue in its fullest form throughout the rest of the day, but what you get, what, but but what you generate through your davening is enough of the experience and enough of the. That uh, awareness that throughout the rest of the day it impacts you subconsciously. That means during davening, this is a very conscious thing, right? Like if a person wakes up in the morning and the only thing they're busy thinking about is breakfast, and then breakfast leads into just, you know, wasting time, so then that's going to lead to the rest of the day. Versus if you wake up in the morning and your thoughts are siddhas and you, you daven and you have a good experience, a real awakening experience, so then during the rest of the day when you do get bogged down by physical needs, however much that becomes the dominant, the conscious, but the subconscious mind is still playing there, and therefore, you, you know what I'm saying? That's how the Atreva deals with that question. But In a Hanami. You have religious people that, for them, it's all about just the experience during the davening, right? They had a great davening, and that great davening leads to nothing positive afterwards, 100%. It, that, 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 that's, that's why in is davening is a process. It doesn't just happen where you get excited for, 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 for 45 minutes. Davening is a build-up. You know, you have to build yourself up to experience an experience by davening. There's the nefesh, ruach, neshama ladder that you have to climb to have an actual experience of something real by davening. Most of us don't really appreciate that. Most of us, what we do is, is that either we don't appreciate davening at all, or even if we appreciate davening, we don't allow for the buildup. You know, for me, a lot of it was that, you know, like when I uh, I would learn this. And then after this, I would look out the window and meditate and the meditation would just be focused on the world and, and sort of become much more aware of my insignificance on some level thinking of whatever I knew from scientific knowledge and just basic observations of the immense immensity of the, the world and, it's, and in terms of its intricate aspects and its laws and all that and thinking about how god is running all this whatever just meditating on these basic thoughts so now when i'm going to david i'm recognizing who's the me that's walking into this experience of trying to connect to god it was a very deep it was a it was a very big moment of like sort of recognition of self or lack thereof and now you're so you're identifying where you're going into it's like people who sit and have supper with their wives and they're on their phone you know what I'm saying? Like, so you're having the official time together, but you're not, because you, you didn't. Versus if you tell your wife, okay, we're gonna go out for supper tonight at six o'clock, and then from 5.45, every, all business issues, all everything else, your phones are away, everything is right. So now when you get into fight, like you're thinking about your, you know, you're preparing for it mentally, so then the six o'clock is actually meaningful. The, the, the date, the supper is actually something more meaningful than just, you know, we both ate together by the same table. And and, and, that's, and that will have an impact then on the rest of the day because you actually nurtured some experience of something more real by davening. But a lot of us, davening is just something we've done because we were told to do as a kid or because of the fact that, you know, that's, I don't know, it's like a habitual thing to do. If you really want to appreciate davening, it, 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 it demands a certain, you know, meditative state prior to davening and even during davening. To just become aware of who you're connecting to, you know? And, uh, and, uh, in and, 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 let's say for me, where I find this to be the most powerful during davening is that, let's say, when you hit Schminess or you hit a stage in davening, where you then think about, like, okay, so how do you want to live your life now? And every day you make that decision. How do you want to live your life? Do you want to live your life based on, you know, the, 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 the pulls and the, the, the challenges of the world around you? Right? Or do you want to become a more refined person? Do you want to feel more connected to something more real? And that's a, real, a new commitment every day, which happens, I feel, and during davening. During davening, you become aware of something more, and you become in tune with something more, and then you recommit, so therefore the rest of the day is all going to be governed based on those decisions you made during davening. That's how you fuse the two together. But from the philosopher's point of view, none of this is happening. Are you targeting philosophy as a whole or specific. I'm talking about in this in this argument in this way of thinking um, what he's saying over here is is basically the point of basically you know being able to uh, tap into a, this active intelligence in order to connect on this level so then he says I guess we'll start on page 52 um, quickly um, just read it on by 14 one was complete in a... Uh, One who is complete is affected by the divine light, which is called the active intellect. Um, His inspired intellect attaches so completely to this light that the man and the active intellect are indistinguishable from each other. At this point, all of his limbs are harnessed and focused towards performing only the most perfect acts at the most opportune times and under the most favorable circumstances. It is as if all of one's faculties are completely pawns of the active intellect, Having nothing to do anymore with his primitive, passive, and physical effect of intellect. Whereas previously, he would vacillate between being inspired by the active intellect as being a good deed and reverting to the dormant physical side of his intellect and sinning. So basically, this point basically otherwise you'll be in this constant flux state. Page 53 on the top, he now does only good. This level is the ultimate anticipated level for the perfect human being. For when one reaches this level, his soul is purified of any doubts. The soul is able to understand all areas of wisdom completely. So this point over here, which is interesting, is that if you don't attach yourself to the active intellect, the argument is is that you're not sure what's more real, right? What's true, your physical reality or the spiritual reality? So sometimes, you know, you get excited about the spiritual and sometimes you get excited about the physical. But because you inherently have a doubt, you're not sure, so you're left with a question in your mind. So the argument is, or the point he's saying, is that once though you attach yourself to the active intellect and you're there, then you have no doubts anymore. Then you know this to be true. It's like about Baal About Baal is someone that had a very deep awakening experience that to them, Judaism is real. They would give up. to some people who, you know, had, you know, they were very successful, very famous people. There's someone here in Yeshiva whose father was a very successful person and he became about Baal I think he's still successful, but he changed, he had to change his whole, you know, that, that, that means there's something awakening, something deeply awakening within you to say that there's something more real, there's something more true. You're not in a state of doubt anymore. Versus most of us would feel more in a state of doubt because we're not sure of anything. So we vacillate between both, uh, both places. And uh, that's, uh, that's that. in this regard, I think the philosopher's argument is very true, which is, you know, you need to experience something higher than yourself. You need to attach yourself to something more than yourself in order to realize the truth. Because if it's all about the way you relate to yourself within your limited viewpoint, you'll never know the truth. You can't use your current experience to say what's real or what's not real. You need something that's transcendent in order to do that. Um, I guess we'll just read a little further, 15. One soul becomes like an angel, specifically acquiring the lowest levels within the class of angels, which grants one of the sense of being incorporeal. Now this is a very interesting point. The Rambam, the Rambam writes that there's four levels of angels. The lowest level of angels is similar to the highest level of man. So the Rambam sort of gets it from, I think, the, the argument of Aristotle, which is basically that the lowest level of angels and the highest level of man, is sort of like there's an overlap between the two, so he says that a person could reach the status of being like an angel. Now, their idea of angel is not godly per se; it's the active intelligence, it's that level of active intelligence. But you could reach a level of being an angel because of the fact that you've already you sort of surpassed being a human being. You've educated, uh, you've um, you've graduated into being something higher than a human being, and that's that state of being an angel. But the only thing is, you're still within a physical body, which is basically this lower level of angel that uh, the Rambam even talks about. Um, This is a a very non-Hasidic point, because from Hasidus, again, we mentioned before, this is not the objective. The objective is not to become angels. Our objective, in fact, the angel is seen lower than us in that regard. We're not supposed to try to aspire to be something out of the physical reality. We're trying to harness the energies that we have within ourselves from a very high level to bring it down to the lowest level. But again, the philosopher's argument is always trying to, you know, achieve something higher, more removed, something you know, greater beyond um, um, the reality. Okay, so I guess we'll stop here. I do hope that we could finish, you know, the, the days and gimel, the continuation of this. This is to see the answer of the. Maybe move a little bit quicker, so we could actually get to some other parts of this. Uh, the discussion here. Okay.